0: Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of all combat sports, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. You know, I'm I just jumping around. I don't know. Um, this is this is. We're talking to our fans. We're in a we're in a bar talking to our fans. We're not in a bar. We're home. All right. Thank God we're not in a bar. But oh uh, no, we could be in a bar. But we're not drinking. You know, it's it's better that way because. You're in control of everything you say. Sometimes with the help of alcohol, you're not. So it's it's good. We're having a casual conversation. Um, my son had, you know, and I depend on him a lot. My son had said that some people out there had said, and of course everyone knows I don't pay attention to the Internet world, um, but unless it's brought to my attention. So some some people have said that, I was being a little too harsh. I did a lot of tweeting again over the weekend. I mean, all day long. Fight started at 8 in the morning in Singapore. So I was busy, and my great tweeting team was busy, uh, as always. And, you know, a few of the... All day, and then we went to like 1 o'clock in the morning, 12 at night, whatever. And a few of the comments, all good, all good, and all fair... But a few said that I was getting a little too harsh with some of the commentators, and um, and it, it started to sound, uh, it started to sound as though uh, I was, uh, I, what's the word, um, that I was, I guess, just not just harsh but uh, bitter, and I I just want to say that's fair, but. Um, I just want to do one thing here. I want to tell the truth, and sometimes I do get a little i guess harsh or angry if I don't think someone's telling the truth now, maybe in their mind, it's the truth all right, then i 'm wrong, but if it's I also think that maybe it's sometimes that they're just putting forward a bias. You know, opinion for their purposes and they slant things a little bit because obviously they're getting you know they're working and they're getting paid by you know the promoter and by well the network the promoter it's all tied in one and they want flowers they want superlatives as much as possible and I'm not saying that they got to be critical all the time but sometimes I don't know Maybe my stomach's not as hard. Maybe my words are harsh and my stomach's not as hard anymore or as ironclad as it used to be to handle things that now upset it more than they used to upset it. I don't know. Maybe I need to take Alka-Seltzer more often. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Um, You know, what a relief it is because I just, I get, I get, I get annoyed when I hear some of the things that I was hearing throughout the day and then later throughout the night from some of these commentators. And I'm talking about boxing. The UFC, I don't have any complaint, uh, to be quite frank. Uh, if I do, I say it. Um, but right now, it's been the boxing. Like, it's just... I don't know. The the UFC, maybe is easier for them to be critical because they feel that their job is, I don't know, more solid, safer. Maybe the boxing people feel they have to be that way. You know, UFC is such a rough sport. I mean, boxing is too. But you're talking about elbows, knees, kicks, you know, (laughs) I mean, uh, everything, Choke In the UFC,
0: the organization is promoting both fighters. They're giving an honest account. In boxing, yeah, it's very well point. known that one guy is the house fighter and the other guy, they the hope get killed. It's, it's so blatantly obvious no matter what network you watch.
1: You ever played bingo? Bingo! <laughs> you, you might have just hit it. Maybe I was going around the bout. But you're right. Everything's fair to say... On either side in MMA, in UFC, there are no favorites. Really, for the most part. I know that they're building up O'Malley. I know that of uh, uh, McGregor, you have to have superstars. You have to Hold have...
0: on, but I, I will say this. Why are they building Because they, the kid demands to be built. if
1: hundred percent. Everyone
0: has a free opportunity, the same opportunity, to promote themselves. If you work, they'll work for you. If you just 100%. show up, do your job, you're not going to get the no, push you still that O'Malley's going to get.
1: It's, it's like that old joke... With the boxing guy, there was a club fight going on, weekly club fight. At the club fight, the fans are watching the fight. The fighter gets in in the ring, and there was a priest that used to go to the fights all the time. And the priest is standing against the wall watching the fights like everyone else. And the fighter gets in, one of the fighters gets in, he goes to his corner, he kneels down, he crosses himself, he looks up at the sky, and, um, and then he gets up ready to fight. And one of the fight fans turns to the turns to the priest and says, Father, does that help? Does that really help? And the priest says, only if you can fight, son. So <laughs> it's the same thing. You can help promote a guy and you can hope that the guy like Dana White and the rest of them, that of course they want a superstar. They want a guy who's more promotable, a guy who helps with the pay-per-view, a guy who has the sizzle as well as the stake. But you got to have the stake. You got to have the stake. because you might get a little less of a of a push in in certain areas but you're still getting a push with the UFC you're still not getting a layup you're still you're you're still not being given you know sweet music every time you get in the ring no 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 free lunch so at the end of the day you still have to be able to fight son And look, in boxing too, but it's an easier path in boxing when you're with one of the top promoters. You do get taken care of, you do get soft opposition on your way up, you do get special treatment, you do get kid gloves. Look, if I said anything less, I'd be freaking a liar. I I wouldn't be aware of my sport for 50 years. Of course you do. And you get less of that, sometimes none of that. In the UFC. But much less of it. And the point I'm making. Is that. And the point you made. And I'm glad you brought it up. Is that. Maybe the. Commentators are. More honest. If you will. Because. Not only do they know what they're talking about. They're all former fighters for the most part. But. And then you have the great John Attic. Who's the play-by-play guy. The blow by blow guy. Who's just tremendous. But. They also, as you said, either side, it it doesn't matter. They're all no favorites for the most part. You know, yeah, I just said O'Malley, some people would rather see him win because if, you know, he could be a bigger ticket seller than most if he wins. But he still has to go through the fire, you know, and the fire's there every time these guys get in the ring. And the commentators again, they're not look proof to what I'm saying. In the fight that I called O'Malley to win a week ago, when he fought and he pulled off to win, um, and and against the upset, it was it was a close fight as far as being handicapped by the bookmakers. But when he pulled off to win against the champion Sterling, all those commentators, for the most part they all thought sterling was going to win and and they weren't afraid to say it and what i'm saying in boxing there's favorites i mean they they don't hide it that that they're almost cheering for certain guys and and they build them up not Bigger almost. Than,
0: they are cheering for the other guy. When Jared Anderson won, you'd think Tess was calling Thriller in Manila again every week. Same thing.
1: And and it's not like they're in there with Joe Frazier or Muhammad Ali, where where it's called for, where it's fair game to do that. I mean, they're not they're not putting things in context. They're not being honest. You know, uh, he's he's in there with a guy named Rudenko, and. All right, I'll give you an example. They said he went the distance with other top heavyweights, uh, and his one TKO loss was by technicality. I don't know what that means or what it was, but uh, what they were saying was the other heavyweights went the distance with Anderson, and and Anderson, I mean, went the distance with uh, Rudenko, other top heavyweights, right? P- Pavetkin and,
0: and, and, yeah, yeah. and Jay Li yeah. Zhang.
1: yeah. And, and and Anderson stopped him. Now, that's supposed to be a big feather in Anderson's cap. But let's just be honest. Just be honest and look at this a bit closer. The other top heavyweights he went the distance with was what you just said, Zaheli, Zaheli Zhang in 2019, okay, four years ago. Perfetkin, as you just said, in 2017, six years ago, and one other. They put in the mix. Yugi, not Taishu. Yugi Fury. (laughs) Yeah, Yugi Fury. Yugi Fury, Yugi Fury in 2015. Okay, that was eight years ago. Now, when he fought Anderson, he was and is 39 years old, you know, Rudenko. So, versus Zhang, he was 35. Versus Pervenkin, he was 33. Versus Yuri Fury. He was 31. So now, do you think that perhaps Rodenko was just a bit better and less used up? Maybe. Maybe. When he actually fought those guys and went the distance than he is now at 39. Look, I understand the commentators work for top rank and ESPN. And want to make it seem like he, you know, that Anderson did something that those others couldn't do. I understand it. But... I don't want to, and, and I don't want to make Anderson look less than than those other fighters. But I just don't want to try and fool people either and just want to be honest and look at it in, in a real context. Uh, You know, I've been doing that my whole life, commentating, and I've taken pride in that, and I try to do that, and I try to make sure I do that, no matter how I feel about the guy, to put out the truth as it should be put out there for the audience. And again, maybe I am getting bitter. Maybe I'm getting bitter by hearing this stuff over and over again, you know, going crazy. And, and again, I'm going to repeat myself what you said. The UFC fighters don't do that. And, and they don't do it because both sides are given fair treatment. Because that's the way that that brand is made up. That corporation, that business, UFC is made up. And that's why it's been so successful. That both sides have a chance. All the time. Even if one guy has nine losses and the other guy has one. They both have a chance because they both have been forged in fire. And they're put in there. The matchmakers put them in there knowing it's going to be a competitive fight. So the commentators don't have a dog in the fight. They they treat both fairly, but they have a dog in the fight every time the network and all of them, not just ESPN, all of them, but ESPN a lot where... They favor one guy to the point of of ad nausea, where it's just I don't know. Again, you fans out there, you have the right to say, "Oh, Teddy, it's too much now. It's out of bed. All right, I'll pull back. I'll pull back. I won't do. Will you like it better, really? Because I'm not doing it out of bitterness in my mind. I'm doing it out of just getting sick and tired of the bull crap of of the of the BS, that, that it's not legitimate. It's not sincere. I don't, listen, These are I'm not saying they're bad people, the commentators, but I, I'm saying, God almighty, does your job mean more than your reputation? Or maybe they don't think that it bothers their reputation. Maybe I'm the wrong one. Maybe I'm the wrong one here. And if the fans think I am, good, I'll shut up. I'll pull back, okay? You like me better that way? Huh? Well, you know what? You know that movie, Ken? I was thinking about pulling back. And I thought about it all day. After the, you know, I thought about it. Well, I should say, not all day. The the UFC was in the morning, and then the... The boxing, the first leg of the boxing started at five o'clock, six o'clock, right? Whatever time that was. Trying to remember. Um, Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we had the late show, the late, late show of the boxing with Anderson later on. So during that part where my son told me some of the comments, I thought about it. Ah, pull back. Maybe I'll pull back. And then by the time I got to nighttime, and I heard more of the same. I started to feel like, like Leonardo DiCaprio, um, whatever his freaking name is. DiCaprio, um, yeah, DiCaprio, in the movie Wolf on Wall Street or Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Ken. I know you're laughing because you, you, I, I, it's a it's a great scene. It's a great scene. I'm not even leaving. I, I, and and I'm, like, pulled back, and I'm, I love you, Ken. And I'm pulled back, you know? And, I, and I'm thinking, all right, all right. I'm pulled back. I'm being contrite. I'm talking like he was in that scene, you know? All right, you know? And then all of a sudden... I ain't leaving. I ain't I ain't effing leaving. I ain't they ain't gonna need a wrecking ball to get me out of here. They're gonna have to bring the SWAT team, the National Guard, everybody to get me out of here. I ain't effing leaving I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. So of. Ap- apologies
0: kinda, to all the eardrums. <laughs>
1: apologies to all the eardrums. And but I didn't curse. I didn't curse. I got close, but I didn't curse. And I stayed true to my beliefs in that. And you know what? That's that's just that's 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 what happened to me that night. It really did. Next thing I know, I'm tweeting again, saying things that I had pledged myself not to say. And again, I just I'll use one more metaphor, one more analogy from a movie. It was it was a movie the only it was the only one out of the all the Godfather movies that wasn't that good. The first two were some of the greatest movies of all time. And it's very rare that a, a follow-up movie is as good as the first one. You know, what, what is it called, the follow-up movie? The uh, sequel. I mean, the sequel. But this was the, the third movie, right? Godfather 3, it wasn't that good. But there was one scene where Al Pacino, an old Al Pacino, right? like an old Teddy Atlas maybe, uh, where he says, every time I try to get out, they pull <laughs> me back in. And I'm back. What can I tell you?
0: Well, Teddy, that's the bless, that's the blessing and the curse of the internet is everyone gets to have a voice and everyone gets to have a voice. You got to like tune out the voice that has like you know 10 followers and no one really listening. And somehow that small voice sometimes finds a way to get right. in and i like love we've that talked small about voice.
1: before. i love it
0: you could have a hundred compliments and as soon as someone insults you we all default to that like immediately to react to the hater and the truth is we don't think to respond to the people oh. that are sending love with as much attention as we give to that one hater so
1: and one other thing one other thing do you agree with me and I'm good. I'm not getting way offline. I'm staying consistent. And Sam, you too. Do you agree with me? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna drive people crazy, but that's all right. That's all right. It's okay. It's part of the show. It's part of the show, baby. Um, you know, you have the prerogative to watch or not watch. But um I appreciate all your opinions. I hope I make that abundantly clear. And I respect all of them. But do you think people are too soft nowadays, Ken? Out there in this country, <laughs> Sam's shaking his it. head. I'm always worried about head. hurting people's yes.
0: feelings. You can't. People with their feelings hurt. Like I can't control your feelings. So if I say something that hurts your feelings, uh, I certainly didn't intend to. Maybe I did, but that's in your control. You can either get hurt or you can harden up and be like, yeah, the opinions of other men doesn't don't that they don't phase the way I live my life. And that's the way it should be. So
1: I'll leave it with this, as we go and segue beautifully into the fights. I leave it with this. There's there's a lot of marshmallows out there. There's a lot of marshmallows out there. Can uh, Sammy's laughing and get, listen? But I want to tell you all, I love marshmallows. The only I gotta admit, I love to toast them over of fire. <laughs> I, I, I I I I I like I like to you know. I like them toasted over a campfire. What can I tell you? You know, (laughs) (laughs) and and I do, and I and I think most of us do. That's how I like marshmallows.
0: Well, let's get into the meat of the issue this week. And what everyone wants to hear about is the your opinion on the controversial low blow in the um, Usyk Dubois fight. Uh, As everyone knows. Teddy and I don't talk about the fights until we're live on air. So I'm going to give you my take and then turn it over to the master. But from my uh, layman's perspective, he hit him blatantly on the shorts. Most of the punch was even below the belt line, even if his shorts were high. A low blow, according to the rules, doesn't have to be a punch directly into the balls. It has to be below the belt. I don't and P- teddy people are so dug in on this the people that think it was a low blow they'll go to their they'll they'll fight to the death to tell you that was a low blow and nothing you can say is going to change my mind it's literally like politics dubois fans are dug in so nothing i can say is going to change their opinion or you or you No, no you meant you, you
1: meant to say people that think it was not a low blow that's what you meant to say
0: right Whatever. People who thought it was a low blow and not a low blow. Everyone has their opinion and it's going to be hard to change anyone's opinion. From my perspective, he hit him low. The ref ruled it a low blow. I would argue that if he started counting, perhaps Usyk gets up and continues to beat the brakes off Dubois, eventually finishing him with a jab in, I think, the ninth round. Um, But nevertheless, from my perspective, it looked to be blatantly low, but I'm dying to hear what you think about it and take it away.
1: Yeah, I tweeted about it, so everyone's seen it. I'm sure you've seen them too. But everyone's seen my tweets. First of all, the fight was in Poland, um, close to Uzic's war-torn country. Right? I think this has to be talked about first. The Ukraine, and as I, as I'm going to talk about later on with the uh, Max Holloway, um, who fights for his people of Hawaii, you know, who have been devastated by the fires there. Music fights for his people of the Ukraine, right? Uh, I think by now we understand the story that were invaded by Russia. I I turned again. This is where some people think I'm being a little um, bitter, but I'm, I, I, it just worked for me. I turned the sound off when the fight started. Um, I, I just, I can see it clearer I don't feel I'm being hindered by or influenced by anything, even though I'd be a tough guy to be influenced by anything I don't believe anyway. I turned it off at the start, and then in spots I put it back on, like in the fifth round, as you're talking about, which is what everyone's talking about, when the controversy over the low blow began. Now, before the fight, I. Before it started, one of the commentators. Again, just it's my job to bring this stuff out. Stated basically something along the line that the greatest attribute of Uzik was his chin. And I immediately, you know, took a little ambage with it, I guess, and I I thought it was I tweeted back that I thought it was his boxing skills. Um you know, that that was, you know, his greatest asset because if he had to depend on his whiskers uh, with bigger men, he'd have a problem. You know, he's been successful with the bigger guys because, for the most part, he's outmaneuvered. He's outboxed them. Anyway, even if Usyk does, obviously now we're gonna people are gonna be talking about that. That if he does have an iron chin, <laughs> he he might have a glass belly. But and and maybe <laughs> maybe the. Maybe the commentators should have been on that. But that's tough to be on, right? That's tough to be on. Um, More... I mean, I guess I'll talk more about that um, later on. Maybe after lunch or, you know, after I break the fight down a little bit. But, again, I, I stated before the fight in a tweet that Dubois had good boxing technique and skills but lacked the mental toughness to win in this fight now I'm gonna break the fight down first round was close after the first round Usyk began to separate himself I don't think anyone's gonna argue with that with his Southport champ right from the you know with his right hand from the Southport position, and it was, it was important that he moved to his right side. And I was noting that, away from the right hand of Dubois. And he did that, but not always. Not always. And he got caught, he being Usyk, and timed with some good right hands, because I thought he didn't move to his right. He moved to the left or he stayed center. And, and I'll tell you something about Usyk. one of the things he's got to work on. Sometimes he wastes movement. He's terrific. He's undefeated. He's a heavyweight champ, one of them, and was a unified cruiserweight champ, an Olympic gold medalist. Sometimes he makes movements from a little too... He reminds me of Holyfield in, in that journey, in that path that he took. Holyfield should have been a gold medalist in the Olympics. That was stolen by a ref. But sometimes he make movements, Uzik, from a little too far away where when he stops and you're closer, you can time him. He wastes movements sometimes, a little bit, although he's great. And his defense is terrific for the most part. Uzik's plan was basic. To use his jab to set the table, as I talk about all the time, for his left hand. And he did. In the fourth round, Dubois had a better round. Uzik was pretty much taking control. Then the fifth round. And as I said, I put the sound back on. Soon as, you know, obviously, as soon as the low blow, the controversy started, right? Number one, I said before the fight started that I had seen this referee. how do you pronounce it? Pabon? Pabon? Um something p-bon. like that. Paboon, ba- I think. Baboon, baboon, babo, <laughs> baboon, baboon, bab, baba, baboop, baboop, uh. Um how do you just how do you just spell bad? B A D. P A B O N. Bad. Um <laughs> Paboon. Baboon. Bad. i tweeted that I'd seen him do some dubious stuff before, saving certain fighters like years ago. He saved Alexander Povetkin, I thought, versus Huck, who was also the former Cruiserweight champ, just like, you know, obviously, um, Usyk is. Huck had Povetkin hurt. I asked Rob to, to cut out... Some video my son sent me. So I put it up there. I think it was in the late rounds in that fight. Uh, Huck had perfect and hurt. Actually, throughout the fight, he did. But again, noticeably in the late rounds. And he had him in trouble. And the referee, you know, Pabon, you know, who acts like a baboon um, sometimes. Um, Mr. Bad. He continued to break them up and give time for Perfection to recover and obviously disrupting Huck's momentum, you know, his offensive flow, his rhythm. Number two, the commentator said it was a low blow. Again, this is one of my just, uh, uh, I don't know, annoyances. And then later in the fight, he says that was a legitimate blow. I don't know, did, did he ever change <laughs> your mind? All right, okay. Oh No, really. Uh, but which is it? You, you can't have it both ways, you know? And, and again, one of the things that bothers me is like when guys flip-flop, that's one thing. I got things wrong plenty of times at ESPN, plenty of times over the 20-plus years I was doing the job there, but I didn't flip-flop. I said, yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. I said this, and you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. And just after a while, it's like, uh, come on. I'm going to call you Flipper. You, you remember that You remember that, that TV show Flipper? Ken, I don't know if you're old enough. Flipper, Flipper,
0: faster than sound, or something like that. Keep going. Flipper, Give me another line. Flipper, Flipper. I, that was on flipper, flipper, Flipper. It was a dolphin flipper. show, and they were like, the Dolphin, they'd follow him around, and the Dolphin was magic. They call
1: him Flipper. <laughs> they call him Flipper. I remember that part. I've, they call him Flipper, Flipper, Flipper. Yeah. Thank God that's all I remember. Number three, yes, Usyk was hurt, and yes, the ref gave him time, and then more time, and then even more time, actually I was waiting for the ref to roll out a cot you know at some point you know to just say hey come on get comfortable over here um and he he asked some if he needed you know uh, a short nap and and then finally we got started again all right uh a, maybe a little too much but number four yes the punch was below people been waiting to hear this that's another gripe. I heard my son said that people said I didn't definitively say it was low or not. Okay, I'm going to be definitive. Is this definitive enough for you? Yes, the punch was below the trunk line. So that makes it a low blow. That makes it a low blow. But it was not, as my earnest partner just said, it was not in the groin area. It was more... On oh, as I said, I think in the tweet, it was more in the belt line that was It's still part of the cup and the protection it gives. Now, look, there's been fighters in the past. I've been in this business 50 years. De La Jolla might have been one of them. And he was a great fighter. But there's been fighters in the past that have had custom-made cups to go higher than they should go or normally go to give them a little more protection. It's up to the referee then to come in before the fight starts when they're getting final instructions and say, okay, this is where I'm judging it, which is usually anything below the navel is a low blow. But sometimes people's cups run high. Purposely, not purposely, but they run high. So again, it's that's when the referee usually comes in and says, okay, here. See this cup? It's a little high. This I'm going to count as a low blow. Anything here, yeah, I'm not counting it as a low blow. I'm sorry. Even if it hits your cup. I'm only counting this. All right. Having said that, the punch was more on the side. Now look, I'm not in his body. I am not in Usyk's body. He's a warrior. Anyone gets in that ring, has more guts than average person. He's a warrior. I'm not gonna at all attempt to be in his body and tell you what he felt what he didn't feel i believe he legitimately was hurt i can't tell you if he was hurt because of the damage it did to the body or to the groin area again it didn't seem to be in the groin area It seemed to be on the side a little bit more. But it was below the line. Below the cup where it begins. So, not dramatically below, but it was below. So, it's technically a low blow. That's not too hard to really define. Now... Here's where it gets dicey. We don't know. Again, I'm not in his body. Either are you. None of you. Even though you guys are geniuses out there. I get it. <laughs> but you're not. So we don't know. We do know that unless he's... Uh, who did I say earlier? Le- Leonardo DiCaprio? DiCaprio. Unless he's, unless he's Leonardo DiCaprio's protege... As an actor, we do know that he was in pain. Was it derived from the pain that when you get hit in a groin or because you're hurt to the body? You know what? I almost attempted to guess. And really, I love Vuzik. And he's a warrior. And I love everything he stands for. And what he's done, what he's accomplished. I would probably guess that It's possible he was hurting a body. But, uh, again, that's not definitive at all. That is as subjective as it gets. As it gets. Um, because I'd
0: also suggest, though, Teddy, if it was a body shot and the ref started counting, I'd argue that Usyk gets up or does his best to get up. 100%.
1: Well, that's what I was going to get to. That even if it was, and he went down, and he was playing it a little bit, maybe, Maybe not. And again, maybe, maybe where he got hit, the cup covers an iron cup. It's leather encased around an iron cup. Leather encased. So maybe that, that part that is made out of iron, even though it's encased with leather, you know, it's not like iron against the flesh, Maybe that got moved a little bit. It happens, and it did affect the groin area. That's a possibility. I'm just saying, if I have to guess, I'm saying part of it, at least part of the pain, I think may have been incurred from the body. But it doesn't matter because it was a low blow. It was technically a low blow. So the referee is right in saying it's a low blow. Again, where it gets dicey is that he gives them, well, you're allowed five minutes if if you think it's really a a severe low blow. And let's say the referee did. It gets a little dicey in the area where now, again, subjective. People start saying, okay, the Dubois, Dubois camp. I get it. They're going to put their best foot forward and they're going to say, we just got robbed of being heavyweight champ because he was laying on the ground, our guy won by knockout. And this is to Ken's point and the point that I was getting at. If suddenly the referee did decide to say, hey, that's long enough now, because it was a low blow, but that's long enough now. If you don't get up now, I'm going to start counting. And let's say the referee even didn't count at a low blow. Let's just say that he started counting. Okay. One. Two. I am going to bet you. Really. I'm, I'm going to put my money on the line. That. Again. Just my opinion. Uzzik gets up. That. Yeah. People are going to say. But Teddy. The pain he was in. The pain. He was in that pain. Yes. And he was behaving that way, yes. And he was looking that way and illustrating pain that way, yes. With the referee saying it was okay to do that. If the referee suddenly said it's not okay to do that anymore, you're not getting a free pass to sit on the floor. You either get up or you lose your title. I'm going to bet that he finds a way to get up. He's been hurt before to the body. He's been hurt before to the chin. He's always gotten up. He's always, whether it was in the amateurs, um, I know in the amateurs, he got dropped. I believe he got dropped uh, in the, I guess it was in the Olympics. Um, in one of his amateur fights, he got dropped by Better BF the great light heavyweight champion. When they were still both fighting at the same weight. I'm pretty sure he got dropped by better BF. Who's a great puncher. Undefeated. All knockouts. In his career. One of the light heavyweight champs. Great, great person. Great fighter. Great warrior. Everything. Better BF. Great. I'm pretty sure he dropped Uzik in the amateurs. He got up. He's always. He's a champion for a reason. He's always found a way to, whether it's get up or overcome. He's had to overcome plenty of things, like all champions. All champions. He's had to overcome all things. I'm going to bet, and I hope I explained it where both sides of the spectrum here can understand it. I'm going to bet that he he finds a way to overcome this, overcome the pain, whatever that was, and get the hell up. If the referee did start to count and threaten to take his title away, that he's gonna get up. Now people are gonna say, well, maybe he couldn't have he he wouldn't have survived. Maybe not. But he would have got up, and I'm gonna bet again that he would have found a way to survive. That he would have at least he would have tried to find a way to survive. Maybe that's fairer. He would have gotten up and put himself in a position to recover. And then once he recovered, you would have saw what we saw in the ensuing rounds after the fifth round. And again, I know it was a Twilight Zone round. I know it was a controversial round. But that is my, that, and it definitively changed the flow of the fight. There's no doubt about it. Once we get past that, Usyk did what, you know, what champions do. He picked up the pace and just like he did in the Joshua fight when he was hurt. And now I'm going to touch on that. Same referee. Same referee in one of those fights. I don't know if it was both fights, but one of those fights where I guess it was the second fight actually, the second one, yeah, the rematch, where Usyk gets hurt by a body punch and the referee... The referee separates them and I believe warns Joshua for a low blow. There were, it wasn't an extended period of time like this, so it wasn't really controversial. But now that we look back at it, that punch it was low too, but how low? Did it, did it again? Did it just show a weakness in the body or ability to take it to the body of Uzik Or again, Did it affect him in the groin area? We don't know. We definitively do not know. But we know now after this that we're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. We're thinking about that low blow in the rematch with Joshua where, hey, did this referee save him again or try to save him again? And I don't think he needed the saving that it looked like he needed in his fight, if you want to look at it that way. Because it was, again, it was a much shorter period of time that it, that it lasted in that fight. He got hit, uh, you know, a little low, but not blatantly low. And the referee, you know, warned him. He showed that he was in pain, Uzik, and then they got back to business. Um, and it, like I said, it was, a short, it was a short period. But it does make a stake now in those areas. And I'll say this too. After Usyk got past the fifth round in all fairness, did the referee seem the same referee that I warned people. I warned people that this guy could be a problem. Before the first punch, that this guy had been in dirty waters, had done dubious things as far as I saw. I I was, you know... I was like the guy. I was trying to be like uh, the guy shooting a flare from the Titanic. You know, before it hits the before it hits the the iceberg. Like, hey, you you better be careful. You know, this guy this guy's nickname is Iceberg Pabon. <laughs> uh, iceberg. <laughs> uh, 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 iceberg bone. Uh, you better be careful and sure enough sure enough what happens he sinks he, 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 I don't know if he sank he didn't sink the Titanic but and he didn't sink uh, Uzek but he gave a sinking feeling to a lot of fans and a lot of people out there in his actions. Again, after that, I'm the first to admit that this referee seemed to be protecting, if that's not too powerful a word, seemed to be looking out um, a little bit for He Like, every time... Every time Paul Dubois got near the body, it seemed, at least for the f- initially, it seemed like Paban was acting like the farmer with a shotgun when you go on his property. Yep. Boy, you better get off this property, son. You better, you know, those old southern, you know, yep. many years <laughs> ago, um, farmers. Son, you better get off this prop, this here property here. You better get off it, cause I'll put I'll put a blasted shotgun in your. You know what? Real quick. And so yeah, he he was kind of like that farmer with the shotgun, like get off the property. Don't. don't and the property was the body, the body of Uzi. So was he a little bit funny with that? I yeah yeah I would say. And but. Here's the thing. Why didn't, and I got both sides to this. Why didn't Dubois and his corner, and maybe they did, but it didn't happen. Why didn't Dubois and his corner go to the body more after that? Now, maybe some people out there, they're going to say, Teddy, he was afraid to. He was afraid if he did, he might get disqualified. He might get warned again. Well, the hell with that. If you think he's got a weakness and they had a reason to believe it, right? Go to the freaking body and then put the referee on notice. See, if I'm in that corner, I'm pulling the referee uh, right in front of the cameras and saying, hey, are you favoring this guy? You can't say that. I just said it. Are you favoring this guy? What are you doing? We're trying to go to the body. It's part of our fight plan. Are you going to let us fight a fair fight? Are you on you? I put him on notice. I, I, I would put him in a defensive position the best I could to protect my fighter, to be allowed to do what I'm thinking I'm not being allowed to do and my fighter's not being allowed to do. That's part of the corner work sometimes. Sometimes. So anyway, and I'm not knocking the corner, but the referee's supposed to do his job and a fair job. I understand that. But I also understand there are circumstances. These were circumstances. And sometimes you got to deal with them. On the cuff, on a snap, on a on move. You got to deal with them, and you got to figure it out right there, right there. You got to be able to think of what to do and what to say. And I'm just saying that if they didn't tell him, they should have told him, keep going to his body, put it on the ref. If the ref wants to play games, and what, then the whole world's going to see it. And then I'm going to get up there and say, what are you doing? Because then if the referee does it and it's not really a low blow – then you get up there and say, What are you doing? And you, you play to the crowd, you play to the commentators, you play to the everybody. You say what you play to the commission. You say, What are you doing? My guy's not allowed to go to the body? It's off limits suddenly? I thought it was allowed. I guess it's not allowed in Poland. You can't go to the body in Poland, huh? So <laughs> I that's where I'm going. I was wondering, did they go there? And if they didn't, why didn't they go there? more often. And and again, I get it. Some people are gonna say, but Teddy, he was scared too. He was, you know, he's gonna get the Again, I say the same thing. The hell with that. You go there. If you think that's your way to win, your best way to win, you go there. It's fair. It's right. You go there. And then if if you get freaking, you know, disqualified because you and you're hitting them legitimate punches in the body Guess what? That'll all come out. That, uh, you, you did your job. That'll come out. Like they say, it comes out in a wash. It'll all come out in a wash. That'll come out. But having said that, let's not forget, Usyk was winning the fight up to that point, and he took control after the fight resumed after that crazy fifth round, all right? So I get past that. And I always like to say, put water in the basement, obviously the body. Obviously Uzek looked like he had a freaking leak in the basement. I don't know why, again, the corner didn't commit more to the body at that point. But I covered that enough. Uzik kept the pressure on, and I go back to my tweet before the fight. And it came to pass; it came to manifest itself. Dubois, with everything said, I gave him the benefit of everything, the best I could, every scenario, Ken. But Dubois was not tough enough. I always talk about it's not enough to fight like a fighter. It's not enough to fight like a champion. When the moment comes, you have to behave like one. You have to be able to behave well. And that means overcome stuff. That means find a way. Overcome. And when push came to shove, and the pressure got put on Dubois, the pressure that, you know, Uzik's going to bring. Dubois was not mentally tough enough. And sure enough, right on cue, right after the commentators said that Dubois was showing great resolve and toughness, bang. He takes a knee. What was that, the eighth round? And yep. let me tell you, Ken, again, the truth is the truth. Now, this is not subjective. We talked about a lot of subjective stuff today. This is not subjective. They were not monstrous punches. They were they they were not clean shots. One of them glanced off the top of his head. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But I had said in the seventh round that Usyk won it big, and I I tweeted that if he started throwing more straight left hands instead of some of them looping, which he had been doing, he'd go home. Two rounds later, he goes home. Eighth round, as I said, I believe the pressure gets to Dubois. What does he do? He takes a knee. And again, prove him, show me, and I'll go along with you. If you can show me that those were devastating punches, but they weren't. He takes a knee. In the ninth round, as I said, Uzik's jab was the key, and it was. You know, I said it from the beginning. It was the key in his fight. He dominated the fight, and he scored that final knockdown with it. And again, I know I'm being... I don't know. I know I'm being a little bit maybe vindictive now or, or mean. Maybe I am. I try not to be. Maybe I am because of everything built up from hearing these guys just say things that blatantly I didn't feel, I felt they blatantly were dishonest, some of the stuff, as I already touched on before we started. Um, But I got to tell you, I'm being a wise guy, but I learned something new. Ken, I always am prepared to learn something new. That, That jab that dropped... Bois in the ninth round, the final punch of the night, it was a swivel jam. Hey, what the heck? It sounds good. I, I mean, I guess. And I, I laughed really how the other sidekick commentator went right along with it. Here's where I laughed. Because right away, the side... I'd never heard of a swivel jam. It's okay. But, but right away... The other, like I said, sidekick guy, he goes right along with it. He goes, yeah, that was a swivel. (laughs) I I mean, like like he knows what the hell a swivel is. I don't know what a swivel jab is. So he, he, you know, and, and I guarantee you that he's never heard of it before. He's never seen a swivel jab or knows what a swivel jab would look like. But he goes, yeah, yeah, that was a swivel jab that dropped him. You know, hey, Ken, that looks like a purple-spotted yellow robin. Very rare in these spots. Very rare. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I thought all jams, I fancy myself a, well, I consider myself a pretty good trainer. But more than a trainer, I consider myself a teacher. Because if I'm not a teacher, then I have no worth or value a fighter a trainer should be a teacher and I I thought that all jobs involved a turning or swivel of the fist yeah there's no doubt about it you you turn as you throw the jab I'll throw an orthodox jab you turn it clockwise as you throw to get more snap in the punch you turn it clockwise okay you swivel but It's a common part. It is the most common part. Here it is again. Turn. It is a common part of throwing a punch. You throw a right hand. You turn the right hand. Is it a swivel right hand? I I turn my right hand when I throw the right hand. Look, I turn it (laughs) counterclockwise. Jeff, I turn clockwise. Okay. It didn't even look
0: like he had much on it. He just kind of like stepped in like almost like a short throwaway. Yeah, caught caught him clean.
1: Listen, opening I'll, I'll put it clean. I'll put it cleaner. Dubois quit. A lot of people ain't going to like that. He got... Did he get the chance to be champion robbed from him? A lot of people are going to say he did. I broke that down already. I already broke that down. Okay? And it was unfortunate the way it went. Because we got controversy here. And it shouldn't be... You You wish you didn't have it. All right. But... He quit. He submitted. And he's got a history of this. He did the same thing in his only other loss against John, uh, Joe Joyce. Is it Joe Joyce or John Joyce? Uh, Joe
0: Joyce. Joe yeah,
1: Joyce. Joe Joyce. He did the same thing in that fight. He was winning the fight. Boxing. He's a good boxer. He's got good skills. He's got good technique. He does, bois. He does. But he doesn't have a strong resolve. He's not mentally tough. And when the you know, that old saying when the going gets tough, the tough get going. He he hasn't quite been able to do that. Because against Joe Joyce, the same thing. He was winning that fight. But the pressure of Joyce broke him down. Broke him down where he gave in. Alright? I won't say gave up. He gave in. He gave in. He gave in. But it's a reality. It happens sometimes. There's a reason why certain guys, even with talent, don't go to that next place. There's a reason why I talk about these domains, the mental dimensions, to having the full package, not just part of it. It's not enough just to be physically good, talented, good puncher, fast hands, good technique. It's not enough. You got to have the other part too. You got to have the other part. It's not enough to have a Ferrari race car with 500 or 1,000 or 5,000 horsepower, whatever the frick it is, uh, under the hood. You have to have the driver that's capable of driving that car. That's the mind. That's the upstairs. That's the general that has to lead the soldier into war. And I'm sorry, but the truth is the truth. He broke down. He broke down in the end. He gave in in the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you take out the controversial low blow, I mean, it was pretty one-sided, and the tide was turning dramatically for the worse for Dubois. The more the rounds went on, I think it was inevitable that he was going to get stopped. But I think it's interesting that they're screaming for a rematch. Like, the fight wasn't that competitive for the most part. Okay, it was controversial low blow, but... I don't know. I don't see anything there that says, "Oh, if they rematch, Dubas definitely going to get him." Um but nevertheless, we could we could talk about this one all day. Like I said, the people who the people who are dug in on the low blow side versus the not low blow side, those people aren't going to like their minds ain't changing. They're dug in. They're and, and again, in 100%.
1: Country. I I cover everything I try to. There're going to be people out there as you just touched on, Ken, that are going to say that the ref because of the referee's actions Um, that Dubois got discouraged. Okay, I'm going to deal with that. Tough fighters do not get discouraged. From that or from anything in the ring. They feel it. They feel it, but they do not let it discourage them to the point of giving in. Because it is part of being a pro. It's part of being a pro. And it's necessary if you want to be a champion and like i said before that i i i pointed out that he has a track record of falling apart as he did in that fight unfortunately against joyce so yeah you know at the end look that's it as Elmer Fudd used to say at the end of one of his iconic Disney um cartoons. That 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 that's all folks. <laughs> well,
0: let's get over to another heavyweight fight that wasn't controversial at all. It was a one-side complete and total beatdown. Jared Anderson, like we talked about already, puts it on um Redenko, fifth round knockout, um, one-sided, Uh guy would have a hard time even being aspiring partner for Jared Anderson um, in a fight camp. And it's just, you know, I don't know what the right balance is in terms of finding, building them up a little, but at some point, as we talk about every week, enough with the cannon fodder, let's step up the um, competition. Um, what'd you think? How'd you like it? What do you think Jared Anderson needs to work on?
1: You don't need to work on his promotion they're doing a hell of a job promoting him um, if I mean if you didn't go by your eyes or you didn't have to go by your eyes or by a testing of the waters deep waters you just went by what you're told he's the greatest heavyweight you know right now there is and maybe since Joe Lewis I mean, you know, so he doesn't have to work on his promotional team, um, and and he don't even need a personal promotional team. He can save the money and probably has because he's got the those, you know, those people at ESPN doing it for him. They are, and they're doing it for themselves because if they build him up, they build up their. Network. They build up their promotional company. They build up their product, but you can't you can't say something is something when your eyes tell you that it's not, not yet, not yet. I, I, they really come from the school of thinking that if they say it enough. That the fans will forget their senses, their own intelligence. Teddy,
0: Teddy, have you paid attention to politics recently? That's the political playbook. Just keep You're repeating right. the talking points and ignore any of anything else. You're right. I like this kid. He's a good-looking kid. He's I like the way he talks. Well, we know he's that like he's good-looking.
1: Look, yeah. he talks well. I tweeted that he talks well. He's good-looking. He talks well. He seems like a good enough kid. Very intelligent. Um every all good things to root for he's got decent hand speed his technique is decent. he better learn to stop pulling back from punches because if Rudenko could touch him a couple times with a couple punches that he barely threw if Rudenko could touch him then i would I would argue that no matter what the promotional team says, I would argue that these other fighters could actually touch him too and maybe touch him a little less lightly. Um, So he's better stop pulling back from punches. Yeah, I know Roy Jones and Ali got away with that, but leave it to them. Leave it to them. And they got away with it at a certain point in their career and then later on it was harder to get away with as fighters, as they got older, their reflexes slowed down, but more importantly as fighters started to time them. So... Again, he's in there with a guy that's 39 years old, has six losses, whatever. Every time he has stepped up. They'll tell you that every time, you know, that he's only lost to, to top fighters. Well, I don't know if they were all top fighters, to be quite honest. But it, it also speaks to that every time Rudenko, even when he was younger, stepped up a little, he lost. He lost. Look, he was handpicked for a reason. Um, I think that, again, they're not doing Anderson any favors by over-selling things that shouldn't be oversold and shouldn't be, as I've said very, you know, plainly, shouldn't be lied about that he's doing things that you know, at a level with a fighter. Like, one of the commentators said, if he does this, again, annoying. I got a little brain in my head. If he does this against any of the heavyweights out there, any of the heavyweights out there, they're going to have trouble. There's going to be a problem for them. Well, if my uncle had, you know what, (laughs) he'd be my... No, if my
0: aunt had you know what, she'd be um, my. Well, uncle. that's why right. I'm sorry. Well,
1: nowadays I don't know. <laughs> nowadays I don't know because we got people like that that are like sitting in all kinds of high positions that can't even define what a woman is, or or telling you, you that a man can have a man a man you, you a man can be a whatever baby.
0: you want. Well, I love the guy in want.
1: poker. I love the story my son told me about one of these poker players out in uh, Vegas, I guess a little while ago, in one of those big poker tournaments. And he said, I won. And he had to lay his cards out. And when he laid his cards out, they looked at him and they said, what, you didn't win. You got, <laughs> you got queens. And he said, oh, no. My queens identify as kings.
0: (laughs) I was at, when we were at the last fight at the garden, I was standing with our our great producer, Rob Moore, and his beautiful wife, Marla, and she comes out of the bathroom laughing, and she's like, some giant guy with a beard just walked into the bathroom, and someone said, excuse me, this is the women's room, and he goes, not tonight, I identify as a woman right now. Hey, where was that's, this? That's how they go. This? this was at the Madison Square Garden at the last fight. We were oh. all at the Poirier fight. <laughs> yeah, Big yeah, giant yeah, crazy guy with a beard comes out. He's like, "No, no, no! I identify as a woman. I'm good to use this bathroom."
1: Listen, one thing I think we can all agree with is the world's crazy, and it's a bit upside down, if not a lot upside down, right now. So we won't get into any more of that or politics. But I think if you're just a a halfway decent person who tries to think decent values in life and proper values morally in life, um, you know, and tries to be fair to everybody, but just decent common sense. I know the saying, common sense ain't so common no more, but just what used to be common sense logic. And again, just Decent values for everybody, decent, just beliefs, and 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 just uh, just proper way of living. I I think that you would probably say, yeah, the world's going a little nuts. Really going when you again, you could say that a man could have a baby and. I, I can't <laughs> define what it is. The best
0: part is, they can say that, and if you disagree, you're terrorized and canceled because you don't go along with the, you know, the emperor has no clothes bullshit that, oh, just because you said it has to be true, and I can't disagree, but, even but if I'm using where, common sense.
1: I, where are we that you just, really, that you just can't be honest? I mean, not trying to insult nobody. But we all have our beliefs. We Only one side can state their beliefs, and if another side states them, they are marked as the enemy. They are marked as people that are not caring people, that are not exactly loving people. That's exactly
0: what they're saying. That's exactly what's happening.
1: And when that happens, you got a problem. You got a problem. Yeah, yeah, we got I mean,
0: problems, that's for sure.
1: Like, you know, really... Uh, it's anyway when you continue well what well, what Nassau used to lift off what they say Dallas we have a problem Dallas Houston Dallas, Houston Houston. <laughs> Houston we have a problem Houston. Houston, Houston,
0: Houston Houston Austin Dallas all the same yeah
1: all the same Houston <laughs> we have a problem all right America we might have a problem in the meantime I can't solve that problem I'm trying to solve some of the problems in boxing a little bit and I can't pro- solve them all and I'm not saying I'm the man to solve them all but I'd like to at least try to get this sport a little bit and, and the, just the, the, the way that it's projected a little bit into the middle lane again the middle lane of truth of, of just common sense and not pounding the audience over the head with biases of, of yours because you think you have to do that. You don't. Just tell the truth. That'll be enough. If Anderson's going to be a great fighter, the truth will come out. It'll show. All I'm saying, all Teddy Atlas is saying, I want Anderson to be successful. But what I'm saying is, let him show it against fighters. I'm not saying he should be fighting Fury right now, or even Usyk right now, or even Wilder right now. But let him fight a little bit of live opposition. At 39 years old, Rodenko was not live opposition. And when you go, not... uh, in all fairness, no matter what he did with those other guys four years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, now, when you go in there and you just put the earmuffs on and you just go into a peekaboo and you just cover up and you don't move your head and you don't draw a punch, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're masquerading as an Everlast heavy bag? It's not Halloween. It ain't Halloween, baby. Right? It's not. So you're not a, but you become a human heavy bag. So when you become a human heavy bag and Anderson goes to the body, as I tweeted, if he's going to put his hands up, Rudenko like that, and make himself that kind of sitting duck, he should go to the body and he should throw uppercuts to split the guard and go to the body because the body is, is right there. You can't miss it. He's giving it to you. So he went to the body. And he went often to the body after he started slow. And he had decent hand speed. But he doesn't show great power. And I'm not knocking him for it. But if you're going to be a heavyweight, a great heavyweight, having a little power does help. But again, you've had heavyweights that were champions without great, great, great power. You have. But they got to be great in other areas. Not only fast, their defense, their consistency, their mental toughness. All I'm saying is maybe he's got these attributes. He's going to need them. Maybe he has them. He, he, he has decent technique, except pulling back from punches. He has decent hand speed. But what I'm saying is you can't make a statement, really, an honest statement, to a honest audience if the audience is not a bunch of dumbbells and i maybe i give you too much credit out there maybe maybe you are dumbbells maybe you are (laughs) i don't think you are i don't think you are but maybe you are and you like to be told these things maybe you do and you go along with it you know maybe you're one of those people that that Ken was talking about earlier, that that are out there, you keep telling them, they listen, they believe it, and you pull them by the nose, and they believe it, they don't find out for themselves, they don't look for themselves, they just get led led along, like the Pipe Piper, just leads them, maybe that, maybe you're comfortable with that, I don't think you all are that, and what I'm saying is, if you're going to make a statement, Ken, a professional statement, and you have that microphone, you have a responsibility to try to put forward the truth to that audience, to ones that are trying to learn, to ones that are trying to learn. And you have to put that forward. That's a responsibility in the right way. Not in a way that just uh, fancies your network or fancies your job or fancies your promoter. No, it's got to fancy the the truth. It's got to fancy the public in the right way. And when you make a statement that if he does this, against any of the heavyweights in the world, they will have a problem. What you should have added to that statement was, if he does this to any of the heavyweights in the world, and they do nothing but cover up and not move their head, <laughs> and don't throw back, they're going to have a problem. Then you're being honest. See, that's, that's, right. what I would, that's what I would have said if I was sitting in that seat. But that's why I'm not in that seat, too. So, so maybe they are smarter than me. Maybe they are infinitely smarter than me at the end of the day. Because I ain't there. They are there. But I'm here. And and I'm going to do what I've done my whole career. I'm going to tell the truth. What I believe to be the truth. Does that mean Teddy Atlas is right all the time? No. No. But it means that I have 50 years of experience and I believe my judgment is telling me to say those things. That I... To, the, to my soul, believe those things and believe in the purpose of saying them. That's what I'm saying. So at the end of the day, what did he get? What did he get? What did Edison probably thinks I'm an enemy and they're his friends. Are they doing you a favor, giving you these guys? Are you learning anything? You didn't even go rounds. They were talking about, well, he's going to get rounds. What did he go, four rounds? So he didn't even get rounds in. Um, Did he get another win on his right? Yes. Did he get lied to? Maybe. Where he thinks he could get away with certain things that when he fights the better fighters, maybe he'll pay a price for. Maybe then he'll think about Teddy Atlas. Maybe then he'll say, holy crap. Holy crap. Now I know why that mean son of a B, that bitter mean son of a B was saying those things. I should have listened a little bit. They weren't doing me no favors. Tell me how great I was. They weren't doing me no favors. Put me in with those guys. And I did things. I developed bad habits. And I thought I could get... I thought I was doing good. Until I fought a better fighter. It reminds me of a story. Joe Namath, the great Joe Namath, was doing Monday Night Football. And everyone wanted to kiss his backside. Does it sound familiar, Ken? Does it sound <laughs> a little familiar, maybe, with some people we know? Anyway, every time after the show, all they told him, he would ask. He actually asked, how, how was I? How am I doing? And they would say to him, Great show. Great show. You're great show. You're great, Joe. Joe, you're great. How am I doing? Great, Joe. Joe, you're great. And then Joe Named himself said this. He said, and then when I got fired a short period later, because truth was he wasn't that good. When I got fired, even though he was good on a football field, he was great. When I got fired, somebody asked me, why did they fire you? And I immediately said, for being great.
0: <laughs> being too good.
1: <laughs> and that's the moral of that story. That's the moral that's of fair. that story. Okay? So, yeah, at the I end of the day... More. Thank you, Ken. At the end of the day...
0: Did what he was supposed to do. He did yeah, exactly you what put, he was supposed to do. You want
1: to put videos of somebody hitting a heavy bag, put a video of that up. Uh, because that's what he was hitting. But he got the win... He was supposed to go to the body. The guy gave him the body. He went to the body. I'll give you that. And um, and he, you know, obviously he got. But to say that we know, to say that we know what he's going to do or for of this kind of competition that he's been in there with, it's just not fair. It's not fair to him. It's not no. fair to the audience, like no. I said. I mean, it would be like, it would be like a guy that's learning and being taught swimming strokes, you know? And he's being taught swimming strokes. Um, and, you know, he, he's got them down pretty good. But you don't really know if he can truly swim, obviously, until he's in the deep end of a pool, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. with with <laughs> other
1: With other good swimmers. And for me, on Saturday night, He wasn't in there with anyone who can give us a real assessment of whether he can swim or he just looks good holding on to the side of the pool, kicking his legs.
0: That's right. (laughs)
1: let's, (laughs) Let's jump
0: over to a side of the pool where both guys can swim like sharks and talk about the UFC because those fights were competitive Toughness on display again. How you like Alex Casares getting the broken arm in the first round? Broke his uh, forearm right in half and kept fighting hard against Giga Chakazi and uh, lost a Did 30 he dis-
1: Did he break yeah, his well, arm? He
0: posted, he posted an x-ray, unless he has an x-ray of someone else's arm. He posted no, no, a picture I, of his I, arm bone broken in half.
1: These yeah guys he said he
0: broke his arm and posted a picture he had and actually he posted a picture of uh him and giga in the uh, hospital together and alex had his arm wrapped up in a splint and giga must have been in there getting assessed himself because obviously he took some damage but um 30 27 on all three scorecards but man to get suffer a broken arm in the first round against the uh, versus, you know he got kicked in the arm and to keep trying to protect The head from those head kicks with that arm is just next-level toughness, but it's it's on display display every week.
1: Every week, but let's be fair. We've had fighters that have won fights with broken jaws, Muhammad Ali, um, that have dislocated arms, one hand. I I forget who it was, but there was a fighter that fought with one arm. I've seen that. But look, a broken arm. I mean, these but guys... Every
0: time, every time it unreal, happens, though, it has unreal. to be pointed out. So I tough. I mean,
1: it should be. It should be. But I'm pointing it out for both sides because some mm-hmm. idiots out there say that I love... Uh, <laughs> Sam's laughing because he gets a kick out. But I'm sorry. I get right to the point. Right to the point, counselor. What Some idiots out there, some morons out there... I'm trying to be soft, and I'm not, I'm not doing myself any good here. <laughs> some dodo <laughs> birds out there think that... I'm being, you know, I no longer love boxing, and I'm giving all my love to MMA. Uh, No, I'm not. I I love both. I I just try to give, uh, you know, call it as it is and give attention to what should be given attention at that time and merit at that time. So I'm just pointing out on both sides that these UFC fighters, these MMA fighters, they're extraordinary, and so are the extraordinary ones in boxing that have found a way to overcome extraordinary difficulties in their domain. Before I get to that fight, I want to say only diehard fans, you know, really. We, we, the UFC finds a way to separate the fans from the casual. Early morning from Singapore, it started, 8 o'clock, started. And me and my team, Brennan Wood, Ian Mackey, Rob Moore, we're all at work tweeting away and witnessing a very special atmosphere. Really, that has to be touched on. With the crowd there for the zombie, you know, knowing it might be his last fight, which it turned out it was, as he laid his gloves down in the cage after, to symbolic of uh, the end of his career for him. Um, last time he's ever going to wear them in the cage. And both he and Holloway came in wearing I Love Hawaii shirts to show their support for all those people on that island where Max comes from who've lost their lives, their homes, with so many people still unaccounted for that were most likely killed um, in these horrific fires. And as I tweeted the air... You know, the air there was just filled with both excitement and emotions of love for both the zombie and, of course, the people of Hawaii. And I thought it was beautiful. Um, another great night or morning, I should say, of fights for a great and always expanding global brand. And look, again, the fans, the boxing fans are get pissed at me, what can I say? Get on, your, get on your sport then. Get on your promoters to stop the crap. Stop the crap of giving you so much cannon fodder. Of giving you all this cannon fodder instead of true fights, which the UFC does do. Uh, again, the UFC, they are getting up there with the popularity of major sports. It's just an incredible job they've done and continue to do, and it, it it bothers me sometimes. And not in a way that I'm not happy they're doing it, but and that I'm... And I'm a part of it a little bit. We're calling some of their fights now with ESPN, thanks to you know great people like Charlie Monahan and the people at ESPN who have uh, felt that they they should have me doing that. And as I said, all the great broadcasters over there um, that have embraced me and allowed me into their world. But I I get upset that boxing that fans come up to me and they tell me, yeah, I moved over to the UFC and there's no doubting how big the sports gotten and how it continues to grow and how their ratings are higher than boxing. Other than the huge fights we put on every once in a while, but other than those, the ratings on a regular basis for pay-per-view and weekly shows are much higher on UFC. And it's a simple formula. They put competitive fights on week in and week out. They put fights where it's not A against B. It's A against A. Even if the other A looks like he's a B because he's got eight or nine or ten or seven or six losses, it don't matter. He, he, has, he, can, he has a chance to win, and he often does. And he often does. Teddy, well, not just you? the
0: competitiveness, I'd say that the production value is light years ahead. Dana said it oh, best recently when great. he said every boxing show is almost run like a going out of business sale. Where can you cut a corner? Where can you save a dollar here? Like every show is its own entity versus building for the future where, hey, let's start to establish this as the normal intros. Let's let's get some protocols in place yeah. so we can just replicate it every time and not have to like reinvent the wheel. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. And also to your point, I'll give you more credit, to your point earlier where the commentators are not saddled. I'm going to stand up for the commentators. I am. I just buried them, but now I'm going to take a little dirt off of their grave where the commentators are saddled with what they think is the pressure, if you will, or the duty of building up these fighters more than They should be built up for these one-sided fights. That's a very fair
0: point, Teddy, that we have to recognize that sometimes these guys might be getting, you know, the producer and the network might be telling them, listen, build this kid like we need to pump the tires here. Whereas in the UFC, it's just like, hey, here's who's fighting. You don't have to
1: sell it. Yeah, you don't have to sell this stuff. No, because people know. They know they're going to get a fight. But to that point, and it's a good point, Maybe I should be a little less harsh on these commentators at ESPN and all these other places on boxing. Maybe they are saddled, really, burdened with the the, the job that they shouldn't have. Yeah, the responsibility that shouldn't be their responsibility to have to make these fights more than they are because because they're not. And and maybe that's that's a big thing. That's a big thing. I'm glad I brought that up. Um, at the end of the day, uh, I want to just say that I, I touched on how ESPN has me covering the UFC. I think it's next week I'll be covering the Adesanya Strickland fight um, from the studios. and Yeah. Where is that fight anyway?
0: Australia.
1: Yeah, so I'll be in the studios in Bristol. Um, they don't love me that much. They're not sending me to Australia, <laughs> but but that's okay. They're sending me to Bristol. You know, that's that's close. That's a two-hour car ride versus a twelve-hour plane ride. Close, close, close. Uh, well, the now way, I sound the way like you now private, I sound now, now I sound like, play
0: for you overnight. Get some sleep.
1: Well, if I borrowed your pilot in your jet, yes, you know, I I come back. You didn't think I come back that quick, did you, Ken? I. <laughs> I I guess, look. I guess that um, if I use the metric system that the commentators use, I could say that yeah, um, Bristol is close to Australia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, let yeah. me just
0: say whoever, if anyone's listening and they want to see a live show of live taping of the fight with Teddy Ellis, Teddy and I will be there if someone can arrange accommodations.
1: Because yes, because and chikazi close first round edge to chikazi uh who had been inactive what a year and a half ken i think it was a year and a half i mean we got to put that in there
0: yeah one sec let me just pull up the um let me just look at this yeah chikazi chikazi's last fight last fight was um his last fight was against calvin cater in uh, January 22. So yeah, year and a half plus off 18 months at so, least.
1: All right, so look. Close first round. It's Chichese. I guess we're going to pronounce it right. I said Chichate. All right, Chichese. Giga. K um, He'd been inactive a year and a half. So you could actually see him get better as the round went on. As he was knocking off some of the ring or, or the K trust. Um, close second round, also. Caceres was quicker, more accurate, and busier, but Chicadze or Chicase was stronger, more accurate, and in the third round, it was a good fight, by the way. In the third round, Again, very close competitive. Casares again was busier, but in the end, Chakasie did more damage, was more accurate, had more power. It was a good comeback fight for Chakasie after that kind of long layoff. So I was impressed. I was yeah. Impressed. For
0: context, for context, Casares had three fights in the time that since since um, had his last fight. Um, But before we get to the next one, Teddy, let me give a quick shout out to our partners at Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Atlas and take advantage of a special offer for our listeners. 10 free travel packs of Athletic Greens with your first purchase. Athletic Greens is the one all-in-one green drink, a multivitamin that you drink in the morning. Couldn't be easier. Made from all whole food sourced ingredients, which is the key. Food is nature's vitamins. Athletic Greens use only the highest quality uh, fruits and vegetables to derive the product. We've been on these guys for a long time. We've been working with them since we started Athletic Greens. If there's only one, if you're only taking one supplement, you should honestly, you should make it Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas to take advantage of the offer. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Key if you're flying to Australia for a big UFC fight. All right, Teddy, let's talk about the co-main. Co-main, our man, Anthony Lionheart Smith in tough per usual against ryan Spann in a rematch uh bad blood in the first fight these guys don't really like each other or they didn't prior to the fight uh there was a lot of sportsmanship shown in the fight but anthony smith gets a razor thin decision this fight could have easily gone either way um you know I i think anthony would probably be the first to admit not his best outing but he did enough to get the win, split decision as close as it gets. How'd you like it? What'd you think?
1: As you stated, first of all, Smith's a friend of mine and of ours, and I like him a lot. I put that right out there. As a person, uh just like I like Charles Sonnen, uh, and I like all the commentators quite frankly at UFC. Michael they're Bisbing,
0: all... I think their partner is Bisbing and Smith they're have Bis-Bain. a podcast together.
1: Yeah, he's great. Every one of them. Everyone. Great of them. guys. And um, John Annick is heading it all up. And of course, Rogan and DC and and Gomez and just all of them. All of them. And um, Megan O'Leary. Olivy O'Leavy. So, but besides being great fighters, um, obviously, Charles retired. I love them because they're very intelligent. And good people, and very good commentators. Um, as I said, all the UFC fighters have that in common. But I need to say that—are we saying span or Span, Span? I can't. Span. Right? span? I, saw, I, I
0: I thought it was Ryan span, span, but I mean. Yeah.
1: No, no, you're probably right. Betting be against me with pronunciation—you're not exactly going out on a limb. It's not. You know what I mean? It's not like you're. It's not like you're going and picking a, you know, a, a long shot horse. Um, you probably got a good shot of being right. I need to say that that Span gained my respect also for showing his class and the kind of man that he is. Um, in some ways, it may have cost him the fight, and I'll break the fight down after the first round. That was a great round for Smith, great round for Smith, who showed, actually, some of the adjustments, new adjustments and tweaks uh, to his style and approach that he had been talking about. You know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and he was looking to defy that. I had just tweeted, you cannot sleep on, on Span because he's explosive with his power. And sure enough, early in the second round, he hurts Smith, he drops him, and Smith's left eye is damaged badly. And just about closed. And Span either because he didn't want to get reckless or maybe out of respect. Maybe honestly, you know, too respectful, at least while in the cage. Because afterwards, of course, it's a different different situation course but he didn't go in for the finish where it looked like smith just really at that point couldn't defend himself and span let him off the hook yep that's exactly right yeah and to me that's the story of the fight then before before the third round and this is the story too the third round is also the end of the story Before the third round, the doctor looked at Smith's eye and gave him more time to recover. And in the third round, again, both fighters were cautious, which obviously I understand from Smith. But I thought that Spann should have been stepping on the gas more. And Smith, to his credit, he used good timing in a slower-paced round, but he used very good timing to land some jabs, so some left hands but span was span has that great eraser I talk about you know um power that can clean up mistakes fast and um which he showed obviously in the second round i thought that span didn't put himself in position enough to use that great eraser i, I just thought that you know, he he should have pushed the pedal to the floor a little bit more. I'm not telling him to be reckless. Just a little more under the conditions and the circumstances. Having said that, I thought the span eked out a close third round. And I'm saying this so those people out there that say, oh, Teddy, you're saying you're being, you are being you know, with the ESPN, you're being bitter because you don't like them. No, no. I... I love Smith, I I love what I see of Span, but I don't know him the way I love I know Smith. I don't know him the way I have a relationship with Smith. Yet I'm still saying that that I thought Span eked out a close third round, and probably won for me at least two to one. And you said it right; it was a razor thin fight, but it went to Smith, who's no doubt about it, his great heart kept him in it, you know. Uh, And again, great class shown by Span shaking hands, you know, during the fight after the second round. After the second round with Smith to show his respect for Smith. The fight was still going on, but he showed his respect for Smith fighting with one eye closed, and both these guys undoubtedly, you know, are classy warriors. Um, uh again, I felt it looked like Smith, at the end of the day, it just, it felt like it looked like Smith, who's given us so many great, great moments in this sport, should think about being, how close he is. I'm not telling him he's got to retire. I'm just saying that, obviously, I don't need to tell him he's a very intelligent man, and he's got a great family, and he loves his family, and he makes that very clear. I just think that, um, you know, he's at that point that everyone gets to where you think about being close to the time to get out that door. I'm not saying he's at the door. I'm not saying he's not at the door. That's his choice. But I think that he's got to think about being close to the time to get out at 35 years of age, over 50 fights. I think he's got over 50 fights, Ken. Um as I said, he's a great person, great family man. He's been in many wars. Um that's it. He's great. Uh whatever he does, I'll be supporting him. The fans will be supporting him. Uh, both these fighters are great. And um it was a it was a very it was a very different kind of fight when Span heard him. In that second round, and you saw the damage immediately to the eye, and you knew he was compromised the way he was. And to see Span be that respectful and not just jump on him, you know, I mean, this is a blood sport, but he didn't go for the blood. You know, he, he, at the end, that might have cost him. I don't know, but he, you gotta love him as a human being. Uh, maybe his coaches would have said, "I would have loved it if you would have been more, you know, showed that humane side after the fight um, rather than during it." But uh, that's the way I saw it. Uh, I I don't know what yeah, exactly what was you. going on in his head. Maybe, like I said, maybe it was respect. Maybe it was a combination of that and him just not wanting to go to the floor maybe that was part of it um i'm just saying it how it appeared but it was a very like i said it was very it had its unique its unique dimensions to it because of that um yeah holloway and zombie wow yeah What a rumble. All I could
0: think was when Zombie, uh, so super close fight through the first two rounds, just absolute stand-up war. Third round starts, and all I could hear in my voice was your head saying, sometimes when, I I hesitate, I want to say this carefully, when someone's almost looking for a way out, almost looking for a way out, they just go in with complete reckless abandon, like, I'm going to either win or die right now. And Zombie went went out and just winging, you could argue that's irresponsibly because he was winging and but sure that, but enough, he, Max that's, caught him.
1: That's been his yeah. M.O. That's been his M.O.
0: Very competitive fight was super close. Zombie just was like, we're ending this right. It looked like Zombie came out in the third round. It was like, this fight's ending right now with either. I don't think me that him.
1: with Zombie, it doesn't stand that, that way of that. What you just said that I say, and rightfully so in, in certain cases, But in this case, I don't think it fits. I wouldn't say he was
0: looking for a way out, but I would say Zombie was, I think Zombie came out with the mentality of like, the fight's ending right now, and I'm gonna end it, and if I don't, I'm probably gonna get stopped. And he got stopped, and Max Holloway, as always, classy as can be, helps the Zombie up. Max Holloway just came out of this thing. He was the winner of the whole event. He just came out looking yeah, like a I champ. Great. But he's a champ. He's one of the nicest guys in the sport. Well, Zombie was Total a winner too. Of the course, the Zombie. way he got zombie, acknowledged
1: yeah. by those people. The way he yep. showed dignity and class at the end, laying his gloves down, that signifying that this would be his last fight. And the audience, the way they responded to him, it was his night too.
0: I love Zombie's whole speech too where he's like look if I can't win if I can't win and do the things all I want to do is be the champion if, I, if if it ain't happening and it doesn't look like it is then I've had enough and uh, It was man, both their nights. Powerful. It was a night
1: for the two of them. For uh, sure. It's a where one guy lost but he still won the hearts of many and he's earned that over the years of what he's given yep. of himself. I think the best way to say it to your point Ken just to put a, a final exclamation on that point, the best way for me to put that was when he came out kamikaze style, one, that's zombie's MO. That's, that's and two, what I think to your point, but to my point more, not that he's, not that he wanted a way out, of course, but to the point where he said, you know what? If this is a boxing match, I can't win. I can only win if I turn it into my kind of fight, which is a street fight, a firefight, a dog fight, an ugly fight, a ballroom brawl fight. I think it was more along that thinking and that line of thinking than anything else that Max Holloway is an elite striker. And if we continue boxing, I ain't going to have a shot. So, And he didn't have a shot doing what he did either. But I think he thought, in his mind, he had a better shot. So, um, first thing, Holloway is like Uzyk. You know, he's I touched on it earlier. He's not just fighting for himself, but he's fighting for his people. And Holloway for the people, of course, of Hawaii, that, as I touched on, devastated by the fires. And Uzyk for the people of the Ukraine who have been devastated by the war both special warriors both special men my respect to both now to the fight great first round great first round edge to holloway and as i tweeted in the end you knew that the overall you just knew that the overall versatility and better technique of holloway was going to be the difference and and you could argue and say, Teddy, what if not, what if, you know, Zompy's got to punch his chance. What if he landed one of those bombs? Here's what I would say why I knew there could only be, or I thought I knew there could only be one winner. Besides what I just, the, the proof of it that I just put forward or my reason I put forward, better technique, uh, better overall skills and versatility. But one other thing, one other thing. Yeah. To your point out there, maybe, that the zombie could still have a chance if he lands that big bomb, which he was trying to land. But here's the thing that takes away a little bit from that. Holloway has one of the greatest chins you're ever going to see. And and I don't know who uh put a, a, a sort of underlined that statement. One of the broadcasters did. I'm not sure which one it was. But... He sure as hell was right. I don't know if it was Biz Bain or it was, um, what's his name, the other guy um, who's also great, too, uh, that was with Paul Biz Felder. Bader. Yeah, Felder. He's tremendous. What a tough guy he was. But
0: Good triathlete, too.
1: Yeah. Well, like you. Um, he, one of them underlined that statement. I mean, what a chin. So even if you get lucky with him and you do land the bomb, You ain't automatically going into the showers early because he's got that kind of chin, that kind of granite freaking chin. But credit to the zombie who in the first round, you know, you talk about you can't teach an old dog new tricks, uh, but Anthony Smith showed that he could put in a few new little tweaks in that first round in his fight. Well, in the first round, for me, the zombie was being more patient and controlled than he usually is when, when really, for the most part, he just has one, one gear. And that gear, I don't have to tell you, it's forward, forward. And he was trying to be more thoughtful and deliberate with his attack in that first round, and he was. In the second round, Ken, you said it. Um, You saw why his name is the zombie. Because basically you have to kill him to stop him. And as he just, first of all, refused to submit when Holloway had him in a tight neck hold. And, um, you know, he, he, he survived that. And when watching... The one oh, thing by the way, needed-
0: Holloway Holloway had him in an anaconda choke. I, I still can't yeah. believe he got out of it. It's a mar- I mean, it is crazy. That, that choke is so incredibly tight and effective. I can't believe he was able to get out of that. And he had it locked on perfectly. Reminded me of Volkanovsky refusing to tap from the triangle uh, that he got caught in with. Um, yeah, of course. Or the, the triangle or the guillotine that um, Brian Ortega caught him in. Just sometimes yeah. these oh, guys yeah. do things where you're like, whoa.
1: Well, it's got a lot to do with their will. And look, if you want to really get deep, their conditioning, their breathing, um, their training, their ability to stay calm in an uncalm environment, they don't panic. They even slow down their breathing, slow down their heart rate to a point where they don't need as much oxygen. Yeah, I'm getting deep now. I'm getting deep now. But at the end of the day, it comes down to their will which it usually does. And they have great wills. Um, when watching, I made a note to myself, Ken, when, when I'm watching Holiday, at times I forget and I think I'm watching a boxing match in a ring. Really. Uh, and on a high level. Because Max is so damn good, when he's good, and technical and smooth in there, that it makes me think he's boxing. And it also, and I made sure I noted this, and I tweeted this, that it also reminds me and reminds all of us of how damn freaking good the guy you just mentioned is, Volkanovski. Yep. That he he was able to do what he did in the last fight at least. The other two were very close in the last fight with uh, with Holloway. But... Anyway, Max is an elite striker. He can do a little of everything. He has a great, he's got great length and a great long jab. And he uses his legs to move around, control range, create angles, um, which he did. And, of course, he's a great counterpuncher. Well, you know, if you're a boxer, you know how to counterpunch too. And when one guy comes straight in throwing wide punches like the zombie did against a good counter-puncher, he's going to get caught and usually knocked out. And um, there's one thing that doesn't change. There's certain truths that will always remain truths because straight punches beat round ones all the time. And that's exactly what happened. The zombie walked into the sausage grinder. He drew a wide punch. And a straight punch was thrown down the middle <laughs> by by Holloway. And as they say, that's all she wrote. Um, and as Cus I often say and quote him, and I appreciate when people say smart things, things that made a mark on me that I remember. And I appreciate them, and I appreciate an etiquette that I think we should all have, Ken. And you're going to laugh because you know what I'm getting at. But we should all have that when somebody is repeating somebody else's quote or idea or, or words, simply you should give them credit for being that person and not let people think that it was your words and created by you. You, you know who I'm t- talking about. All right, um, Cus model. He used to say to me all the time, Teddy, when you have two tough guys and one is smarter, he becomes the tougher one also. And that's exactly beautifully displayed in this fight. Both tough guys, very tough, as tough as they get. But the one who's a little smarter, technically more developed, if you will, he becomes tougher. Holloway's a champion in every way, in the cage and in life. He fights like a champ. He behaves like one. All my respect and thanks to the Zombie for a great career, teaching us all how never give up. You know, you heard the great Jimmy Valvano and, you know, before he, his great speech, before he was, while he was dying of cancer, and he gave that great speech, and it led to ESPN doing a great thing, a great thing, starting the V Foundation, which has raised hundreds, and Diggy Vitale, the great Diggy Vitale, he's a part of it, all of them. It's raised hundreds of millions of, I can't believe I'm saying, but literally hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, to try to come up with a cure for cancer, and um, as the great Jim Valvano said, never give up, never, ever, ever give up, and he taught us that as he was fighting, even while he was being riddled with cancer through his veins, the zombie taught us that every time he got in that freaking ring, or that cage. Never give up. What a beautiful, heartfelt scene that was there after the fight, as the fans paid tribute to the zombie. It, it couldn't have been more, it couldn't have been more beautiful or more earned. It really was. And um, I'll tell you that sport that UFC uh, uh, to drive my boxing fans a little more nuts, if I haven't driven you nuts enough today. <laughs> um, that the globalization of that sport it's really and and some people say boxing don't need globalization it's everything. and that's a good point that's that's a good point uh ufc is a much younger sport and it is still developing it is still growing but man man it must be taking athletic greens because it is growing <laughs> It is growing like crazy. Well, Teddy,
0: along along those lines, uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson put a post up on Twitter that I thought was interesting. I know you've had a chance to see it. He basically was comparing boxing and UFC, and he was saying essentially that boxing, just as a pure sport, is a more difficult... Not more difficult as a whole, but he was making the comparison and saying, in the UFC, because there's so many skills to know... You can get by with deficiencies in UFC, and he gave the example of Brock Lesnar, no striking skills, was able to become a world champion. Um, he gave another example. I'm spacing off for a minute, but he said when you go to boxing, those guys only box; they're dialed in. If you don't have all the technical aspects of that game down, you can you'll never slip through the cracks to become a champion. In the in in MMA, you can have holes in your game and small deficiencies. It's hard. But it's impossible in boxing to become a champion with any holes in your game. I know you've had a chance to see the video. We can probably put it in the show notes here. Link to the um, to the comments that Mighty Mouse made. I just thought it was an interesting observation. What would you think?
1: First of all, before I say another word, if anybody deserves respect and the ability, and everyone can have an opinion. That's the greatness of this country. But if anybody's opinion should be respected, and as I started to say, deserves to have an opinion, an astute, real opinion on combat zone or combat fights in the combat zone, it would be Demetrius Johnson. I mean, this guy was one of the great UFC champions. I don't know how many freaking title defenses he had, but... um, he had a hell of a lot. What was it, 11 or something? I don't know what it was. But he had a lot. He's one of the great, not good, one of the great UFC fighters um, of all time. He's, I mean, I forget what division. It was a very sm- light division. Fly, flyweight. Champion there for a long time. Uh, for a lot of defenses.
0: 12 defenses in a row in the UFC. 13 wins to in a row. My
1: point. Why I'm giving him, saying it this way. If anyone has a right to state, to make a statement, he automatically demands you to at least pay attention and give him respect by paying attention. It's at somebody like Demetrius Johnson. Because there's not a lot of somebody's like Demetrius Johnson, that have done what he's done in his sport. One of the toughest sports in the world. So having said that, I disagree with him. Um, And I respectfully, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't have said all that, disagree with him. I think it's harder to become a champ in the UFC than in boxing. Couple of reasons. One, talk about deficiencies. There's a lot of fighters that, and he made a good point. That some aren't good on the mat. Some are just good at striking. Blah blah blah. Okay. There's a lot of fighters in my business in boxing that are not good at defense, not good at counter punching, not good at overall boxing. They're just tough, walking, strong good punching, iron-shinned, aggressive guys that win to a certain extent on that. But there's deficiencies in that game that will eventually be exploited. There, having said that, in my business, in boxing, there are many more, much more access to a title Way too many belts I make jokes about. It. You could go to Chinatown and buy a belt as, as as quickly as you could get one from the WBC, WBA, IBF, Baby B O, uh Ba Uh Bing. There are so many damn titles in boxing that you have more access to a title. And it stands to reason, if you have a quicker pathway or an easier pathway to a title, it can be easier to win a title. Number two. Number three. I... We talk about it every week. And this is the strongest part of the argument. There's no free lunch in the UFC. UFC. You have one guy running things. He cares about one thing, his brand, the fans, and the brand. That it's strong and it stays strong. By having tough, competitive, evenly matched fights. We talk about it every week. In boxing, if you're with one of the... There isn't one guy running boxing. There's five power brokers. If you're with one of those, if you're privileged enough... To be with one of those five power brokers that have their own network, their own promotional team, and everything that goes with it, you are going to be fed live meat. I've said it before. I'm not apologizing. It's like feeding time at a zoo sometimes. You're going to be fed. The lions are going to be fed live meat. Raw meat. Steaks. You're going to, if you're with them, you're going to be given soft touches all the way up to almost guarantee, if you have any talent, almost guaranteed. Ken, who can argue with me on this? I'd like to know. Guaranteed to get you, almost guaranteed to get you to a title fight. And once you're at a title fight, then that's, that's a big percentage of it. You get to the title fight. And just to get there, now you have a chance to win. And being that there's so many damn titles, you actually can choose. Kind of like, let's make a deal with Monty Hall years ago. Uh, I will pick, Ken. You're Monty Hall, Ken. I will pick door number three. Let's see what's behind door number three. That would be the WBO that's pushed it back. Oh, you have Mr. Henry Cooper uh, Longpants. And Mr. Henry Cooper Longpants, he's not the toughest of all the champions out there. And you got a chance to win a title against him. Guess what? There is no Monty Hall in Dana White's world in the MMA or in the UFC specifically, I'm talking about the UFC, in in fairness. There is no, but in MMA in general, but the UFC. There is no Monty Hall. There is no door number one, door number two, door number three. There's one door. And you better go through that door. And you better be ready for what's behind that door. Because it can be a nightmare. It can be a freaking Freddy Cougar. Behind that freaking door. Not, not Mr. Long Pants. Not Mr. S- whatever. SpongeBob. I love SpongeBob, right? You know, you're not getting that. And look, there's a lot of great fighters in boxing. And most champions are qualified. But some less than others. And it's that way in, in MMA too. I know. I get it. Different levels of talent. But when you're talking about MMA... You're talking about, again, specifically UFC. It is a harder journey, A, to get to that title chance, a much harder journey to get there. You got to go through freaking... like You got to be the postman on steroids. You got to go through hell, sleet, uh, dark, gloom, rain, freaking kicks, elbows, glass... I don't know, glass. How I threw glass in there, but but they don't have shoes on, so there's a possibility you could get a cut, you know, walking through some of that rugged terrain. But the point is, you got a treacherous road ahead of you to get to that title. And then when you get to that title, there's not there's not choices. There's one. There's one. Like I said, there's no door number one, door number two, door number three. There's one. And that one, like I said earlier, might as well be Freddy Krueger for the most part there behind that door. You know, so I kind of rest my case. Again, in a very respectful way to to a guy that has all the right to put forward that opinion all the right and and I wouldn't even pay attention if it was somebody else putting it forward but I paid attention and I listened to it because it was him but again I respectfully disagree for for the most part for the reasons I put forward just a harder journey all around a to get to a title and B, you only got one one guy. You don't got five champions, twenty two champions, four hundred fifty two belts to pick from. You don't have that. And and you and again, you got plenty of good fighters in boxing. Credit of tremendous fighters in boxing. Yep. But that doesn't change the fact that my sport unfortunately has a problem that UFC doesn't have. Yeah. You know, some of some of these some of these fighters even they get there with a you know like that song with a little help from my friend. And <laughs> yep. it really shouldn't be. And that's why I'll finish with this. This is the exclamation point. That's why I started on this podcast our petition for a national commission. Yep. Anyway, um like I said, the great the great Elmer Fudd, that 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 that, <laughs> that 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 that's all folks. Thank you, everyone,
0: for being with us. This is a good long one. Hopefully people get to enjoy it. Two hours, 10 minutes of value here, courtesy of the great Teddy Atlas. Thanks, everyone, for being with us. Please subscribe to the show. We appreciate you, as always. We'll be back next week with more coverage of all the combat sports action. Have a great week, everyone.